As a Christmas present for you all, I'm reading two scriptures instead of just the one that is listed in your bulletin. I feel like I need to retell the Luke, the Luke account of the Nativity. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in bands of cloth, and she laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And from the gospel, according to John, Luke tells the story as though we are right there in that stable. But John tells the story from the beginning and from an outside look at the whole universe. Two very different points of view about the same event. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him is life, and the life is the light of all people. And the light shines in the deepest night, and the night does not overcome it. And the word became flesh, And lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. 
May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. I have a few more stories to share with you. There is a wonderful story, a legend really, about the carol Silent Night. Supposedly the song was first played on Christmas Eve in 1818, just a few hours after it had been jointly assembled, created by the musician and the poet. As I have heard it told, there was a priest in Austria who was in desperate need of music for the Midnight Mass. And if you were here last night, you know just how important the music is at the nighttime Mass. The church's organ was broken, and no one could come out and fix it on such short notice. So he pulled out a piece of paper from his desk on which he had written a poem three years prior and had almost forgotten it. Silent night holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And he brought it to his friend, an organist, who composed a simple melody for a guitar accompaniment. And that night when people came to the Christmas Eve service, they sang it together for the first time, Silent Night, a new carol that has become the favorite of worshipers around the world. I think we can all agree that that broken organ was a gift to all of us. And another snapshot of a story. There was a grandma who learned to send texts, and she added her grandchildren's phone numbers to her phone. And thanks to a mistype, when she invited her grandchildren over for Thanksgiving dinner, her text accidentally went to a young man she had never met. Have you seen this story? Jamal Hinton. He took her up on the invitation and came to dinner. And seven years later, they are still enjoying Thanksgiving meals together. He and his adopted Nana, Wanda Dench, share a selfie each year so the world can enjoy the story of this found family, what you might call a happy accident. Can you think of other stories like this? Many of the ones that come to my mind involve children. I was telling the pastoral team before we got ready for the Christmas pageant about the happy accidents that end up being a gift and told them that my sister brought her little boy, who was, I think, about 18 months a few years ago, to the Christmas pageant. Well, he got away from her and ran up and stole the baby doll out of the manger. Thank goodness it was a doll and not a real baby. (laughs) The new moms in the back can only imagine how you would feel if an 18-month-old actually tried to take your baby. But he grabbed this doll baby Jesus and ran away with him. His parents were mortified, and his older cousins were in absolute stitches laughing at how funny it was. But he stood off to the side, and of course David Spollett had the presence of mind to realize the theological implications of this silly moment. And he said to everybody, don't worry, he's just giving the baby Jesus a little hug. And he did, and he brought him back and returned him to the manger. And it was so profound to see him act out what we all truly want to do in our hearts. Another one that comes to my mind, which I always remember this year, is when my son thought it was a great idea to get rid of the earrings we had purchased for my mother-in-law for a Christmas present. He dumped them out in a corner of his bedroom and instead 
decided to wrap up very special rocks that he had from his rock collection. And we didn't know he'd done this, so we wrapped the little jewelry box and presented it to my mother-in-law. And we couldn't see what she saw, so she opens the jewelry box and sees a bunch of little rocks. And she pulled it off wonderfully and thanked us for the lovely gift. And then eventually we realized what had happened. We found the earrings and we gave them to her. But it was just such a pure moment of who wants these ugly things? What you really want is something that I think is important. I know a man now in his 60s who was traveling abroad in his 20s. I don't know how this all shuffled out, but he ended up in an airport in a country where he didn't speak the language very well. He had missed his flight home and lost his wallet or had run out of traveler's checks. I'm not sure how it ended up that he was stranded with absolutely no way of rebooking his flight home that he could come up with. And as he was trying to reason with an unsympathetic person behind the desk in that airport, a woman very generously took out her wallet and paid for his flight. She got him out of an incredible pickle. This was, of course, before cell phones or Venmo. So he, he said, can I please have your address and I will send you a check as soon as we get home, which he did right away. But he couldn't stop thinking about her. So I think it was two years later, he pulled out her address and he wrote her a long letter, which began, you probably don't even remember me, but I've never stopped thinking about you and how kind you were to me when I was stranded. I would like to take you out for dinner if you aren't attached. Well, they've been married for 35 years now, and their daughter Carly became my new sister-in-law last summer. The letter, I got to see it at their engagement party, is framed on the wall of their house. There was a time when I was in a pickle as a pastor. I was trying to give practical help to a member who you might call a collector. And I was in way over my head, and I reached out to a friend of a friend who knows how to help people with this kind of complicated situation. And this woman came. I don't pretend to be able to read people's auras, but if anybody had that kind of glow about them where you just know they are a truly good, kind person, this woman seemed to have that glow. She swept in, she got us out of the pickle, she knew just what to do, and she did it with such love and graciousness and generosity of spirit. And when I had to go over to her car to get an invoice from her, which, of course, you all supported this work with your donations to the Deacons Fund, I saw that her car was absolutely plastered with bumper stickers that if I didn't know her first, I would have assumed that we would never be able to connect. I would have assumed all the wrong things about her. She believed in everything that I might say I do not believe in. And if I hadn't had that moment, that happy accident of encountering her the way I did, I don't know if my eyes would have been opened the way that they were. So all of these stories, and I hope some that you're calling to mind, they're only very tenuously connected, but I would say that they are Connected in this way. There are times when you think that everything is going wrong. Times when you think, God, I can't do this. There are times that are almost comical. 
and you wonder if you're on a TV show and possibly being punked because things are going that badly. They might be going so wrong that you would throw up your hands and cry. There are times we mess up, and sometimes through faults of our own, or sometimes despite our best intentions and efforts. But sometimes there are bigger mistakes that we make. We might hurt someone we love and have to get off our high horse and humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. But in doing so, we remember to go easy on one another. But in all of these stories, what I would say is that they are about times when it seemed like everything was going wrong, but perhaps it all went so wrong so God could set things to rights. We want control, don't we? Someone I love, I run my sermon ideas. We call them sermon seeds. I run them by someone who is a self-proclaimed control freak. And she said, oh, no, that's not true. That's a terrible sermon. Don't tell them that. And I said, well, we know you're a control freak, so you don't want to hear it. Sometimes, fortunately, she laughed. Sometimes we have to seed control. And I'm not just talking about silver linings. You could say that the overarching theme through all of these things is there is a silver lining running through, but it's not that. I think that sometimes when things are going wrong, it is a golden opportunity for us to give up some control, to give up our ideas of the way we think things should be going, and to let God in. This is exactly how God came to be born as an infant, to an unwed teen mother with no place to put him down but a manger, the feeding trough for animals. It says manger three times in the Luke story to really make sure you understand. She had no place. There was no room for her. Everything going wrong is the backdrop to the Christmas story. We like to make it cute and sweet. We have the pageant. It all looks so adorable. But the real Christmas story is that these were a people who would throw up their hands and say, God, I cannot do this anymore. Help me. They had to give up all control over how they thought their life was going to be going. Even that first line, that census that was taken, when Quirinius was governor of Syria. The people didn't want to have to travel on foot to go take a census. Everything was going wrong in their lives because their country had been taken over and they were being harshly oppressed. Everything was going wrong. Everything had to have been going wrong for Mary when she had to tell Joseph. Everything was going wrong for Joseph. How humiliating. Everything suddenly went wrong for the shepherds, minding their own business, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and the angel shows up and terrifies them and sends them off on a different course. God comes in particular to the hopeless to give hope, in particular to the oppressed to give justice, in particular to the downhearted to lift spirits, specifically to those who are hungry so that they will be filled. Sadly, no, it doesn't always work out this way. I would be lying if I said that every time something is going wrong, it's God at work, and I think that that would diminish and demean the Almighty God who loves us. 
Sometimes there's no silver lining. Sometimes mistakes or accidents are simply tragedy. But sometimes these moments do happen. Sometimes God breaks in. Sometimes our mess-ups make us better people. Sometimes when we give up control just a little, God will fix the rest. Sometimes we think we have created and designed our best, but God has a plan that is so much better. And whenever God does, that, my friends, is Christmas. When we create, when we love, when we trust, when we follow God's call, when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, we make room for Christ to break in, to be born again in our lives. And Christ does show up, unafraid of the pickle we made for ourselves, undisturbed by our messes, disinclined to judge us harshly. Hopefully we have the wisdom to be humble enough, faithful enough, creative enough, so that when those moments happen, when everything is going wrong, we make room for God to change our perspective so we can see what is right or give up our control so God can truly set things to rights. May it be so.